0: I've been putting bad guys away for 44 years. I've been part of investigating over 1,000 deaths. I've been a part of putting more than 400 murders in prison, and I'm still at it. I'm Tim Corbett. These are my cases. This isn't your typical criminal profile podcast. This is Killer Catchers. All
1: right, welcome in, and thanks for joining our first episode of Killer Catchers. I'm Clifton French. This is Tim Corbett. And just to give you an idea of what we're going to do in this podcast is, Tim, we're based here in South Bend, Indiana, in St. Joe County. And all of these cases are your cases that we're gonna be talking about.
0: They're cases that I've worked on. And, uh, you know, when you say my cases, it's always we. It's a team effort, it's just not a Tim Corbett show. So it's us, it's my team, our team that put these together, yes.
1: And these are all in St. Joe County, Indiana, near South Bend. We're about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes Uh, Just east of Chicago and about two and a half hours north of Indianapolis a Midwest area that most people would think you know, there's not a lot of crime here Uh, However, you know, you know, that's that's not the case.
0: Well if somebody's telling you that they're either ill-informed or lying to you That's absolutely inaccurate.
1: So today uh, is what probably we're gonna talk we're gonna start out with a boom here um, talking about probably the one of the most famous cases in South Bend, uh, Teresa Burns, a 16-year-old woman who was killed, a 16-year-old girl, kid, who was killed um, back in the 80s. Tell me about this case.
0: Teresa Burns was a, she actually lived in Mishawaka. She was a high school student at Mishawaka High School. Um, This happened in 1988. Teresa had uh, left school, went home. Um, We found out later that uh, a guy came to her door, that guy is Phil Jeans, who's presently enjoying the friendly confines of a prison. Good for him. And uh, Phil rang the doorbell, went inside and uh, began to assault Teresa and ended up shooting her several times in the face with a revolver. Uh, Officers, one of the officers in particular that was at the scene then found an extractor rod that goes into the cylinder, that goes into the frame of a gun um, and recognize that because he had uh, used a lot of weapons, been around a lot of weapons. Uh, that was a tantamount piece of evidence because uh, a few weeks later, Phil Jean's stepfather turned in a weapon, an RG-22, minus the extractor rod. At that time, ballistics uh, were not as good as what they are now. Uh, they weren't able to make a match, they meeting the FBI. Uh, they were confident that was the weapon, but couldn't say by their parameters, that definitely is the gun.
1: This is back in, what, 1988. Um, Police were able to gather all of this evidence and stuff during that time. Um, That being a key piece of evidence. However, this thing, Phil Jeans didn't get convicted of this until 2015. What took so long? Why Why does something like this take a while?
0: Well, I think uh, anybody that's listening to this, you, yourself, me, what what kind of kid were you at 16? And now you advance 25 years, things have changed. You've been married, you've been divorced, you had kids, you didn't have kids, you've been in and out of trouble, you straightened your life up. Whatever the situation is, people change. And sometimes with those changes, many times with those changes, in fact, their attitude changes. So this was a case of going back and just starting from the very beginning and going back and talking to people people made the difference evidence made a difference
1: and when we talk about this you didn't you weren't working on this case in 1988 um you picked up this case well into the 2000s um and and started working on it with your team um you started essentially by looking back but you were saying people changed i mean so who was talking at this point
0: well, there were there were several kids at parties that uh, didn't know anything. I I don't want to talk. I don't want to get involved. I don't know anything. They would, uh, it just not just not talk. And now years later, they did start talking and they remembered uh, a time that something came up on crime staffers about Teresa Burns and Phil Jeans broke down and started crying. Phil Jeans had made comments. I'll uh, I don't know what I can say, but I'll F and kill you like I did Teresa. Um, he made several. Um, excited utterances is what we call them, um, about things that he had done. He threatened a girlfriend. I Phil just Phil jeans is a complete sociopath. Everything that he did was about Phil jeans and he thought he was, uh, thought he's unstoppable. As a matter of fact, I stopped him one day and talked to him and he said, you're not effing smart enough to get me. And that was okay. Game on.
1: You know, I think it's important that, that we focus. A lot of this, uh, a lot of this, this story in this podcast on, on the victim as well, right? It's important to talk about the suspect, but as you know, talking about the victim and the victim's family is is, is paramount, and, that, and that's what we did. Is um, you brought in, into uh, into and, and to speak with us uh, and, and interviewed uh, Teresa's brother, who, you know, has been dealing with this his entire life. He actually found his sister. Um, But on top of that, he uh, was because I think the first person there um, was also considered a suspect in the eyes of the law at first and uh, in the eyes of public opinion for a very
0: long time. Well, I don't think the eyes of the public opinion stopped until we convicted Phil Jeans. Uh, There was always whispers about Steve. Excuse me. Steve did absolutely nothing wrong. Teresa did absolutely nothing wrong. Steve came home, found his sister, and naturally he's going to be looked at. I mean, that's common sense. That's police work. But he was eventually eliminated, and it, it didn't stop, though. It just didn't stop for him. Uh, you know, he would get to see the people nudging each other, and, you know, there he is, and all that. Now you're talking, you know, thirty almost 30 years prior. To phil jeans being convicted that steve was going through that could you imagine going through that now with the internet and you know everybody's a keyboard cowboy and they have all the answers and they're very brave because they're sitting down in their mommy's basement and they're tidy whiteys talking about you because they don't have the courage to say it to your face so steve had to live with that he had to live with what he saw um he, he had a tough time with it he,
1: well you know i i say this is a perfect time for uh for us to bring in that interview and for everybody just to, uh, to listen to him.
2: So, uh, Tracy was my younger sister. Uh, she was about a year and a half younger than I was. Um, full of life. loved to, uh, we'd love to play around, play jokes, have fun, just like any other, uh, brother and sister would also with her other older sister. Um, just, that uh, was great. Uh, she, she kind of had a rough life though. Uh, Early on she was about uh, two and a half uh, years old and uh crossing Vistula, she was uh she was hit by a car and just actually stuck up underneath the car and uh from that point on she had to be retrained to do everything walk talk eat everything so and so she had a you know she had kind of a lazy eye and her feet weren't exactly all right but uh but you know she,
0: she was a very smart young girl, though. Steve, remember first time I came to you and told you we were reopening Teresa's case and how much progress we made? Absolutely, yeah. What do you remember about that?
2: Just like now. The emotion that... The emotion that gets filled because you take the memories that you have and you take everything and all that's going on and you kind of you kind of put it toward the back of your mind you kind of you know suppress all all the negative stuff and uh, so at first that kind of uh, it's like okay am i ready for this again a- a- am i ready a- am i ready to go round 2 and round 3 again and go around and try and you know have to rehash everything and and it was just like um just just knowing that if there was, you know, the thought of anything that I could do to help, what was there? If there, you know, and I, 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 I can't say that enough, as of just because we really wanted to know. There was so many years, even years later, at the fact there were people that were coming up to me and were telling me, "Yes, they know you did it." yeah, I talked to some, so-and-so, and so-and-so, no, you did it, and they got, you know, and like, you know, <laughs> how can you know something I didn't do, you know, and so that, that thought that's always out there, there's always somebody's out somebody that was out there that was, that was thinking that, that I did this, that, um, there were probably some policemen that believed that I did this, that were, uh, somewhat involved or whatever and to know that you were going to do this and because you believed 100% who you knew who it was and you're going to get them and that it wasn't me (laughs) that was a huge relief so that was uh to to know that there wasn't just one or two
0: people that believed me that there was more so Well, I think so many times now with the uh, internet and everything, it's even worse for people because naturally if it's on the internet and somebody puts it in some scandalous paper or or talks about it, um, obviously it has to be the truth. Nobody checks the information. They just put it out there and it does the damage. Um, I can tell you that there were a lot of people that worked on your sister's case, a lot of people. A lot of work went into that case previous to us picking up and running with it. But I got to tell you, from the moment I met you, I, I could tell there was something about you that you just have a gut, a gut feeling that you, you had nothing to do with this. And there was information that was obviously pointing towards somebody else. And that's why I finally came to you guys and told you that. How did that make you feel knowing you didn't do anything and you found your sister? You know, in the in the vestibule of your home, kind of go through that a little bit on on what your feeling was. I know you thought it was she was playing a prank at first. Absolutely,
2: like I said, uh, one thing we loved to do was play around, joke around, and uh, we would. Uh, one of the other things was is uh, one of the things that people questioned me was the fact that that I went and answered the phone that was ringing at the time. And I kind of had to sidestep my sister lying on the ground. And they're like, okay, only someone cold-blooded and, you know, whatever they want to say, you know, could could do something like that. And the one thing that people didn't understand was, uh, you know, back then when the phone rang, me, my sister Teresa, my sister Chrissy, my brother Tony... Anybody, any of the kids in the house, you know, it was a race for the phone. We, 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 you know, and it was just an instinct because I'm at the door and I hear the phone ringing. So the first thing i was thinking is, okay, let me get in hurry up and answer the phone because I'm not even at the door. I haven't even opened the door yet, and the and, and the phone is ringing. So I'm like, my instinct and what I'm supposed to do is just answer the phone. And. to find out later that the other things that got me was i don't know if it's something that i blocked out or what but they're saying that the way my sister's clothes were i i I don't even remember that to this day i don't remember how until i seen a couple of the pictures i didn't know that my sister's clothes were even like that and uh i just remember that my sister was lying there on the ground And I went up, you know, kind of like, kind of like tapped her with my foot and I'm like, hey, prank's over, joke's over, get up, let's go, you know, and uh, she didn't move, so knelt down, take a look.
0: All right, take your time. Sorry. No, you don't have to apologize. The one image that
2: I can never get out of my head is I can't get out of my head is the way my sister looked as I was trying to roll her over and see. And all I could see was just all this blood. And, it, and the way it come up off the carpet, it was.
0: It was a horrible scene, I, I know. I'm sorry? No, no, you're...
1: Uh.
0: Oh. oh, okay. I apologize. Don't don't you never oh. have to apologize for feeling oh. bad about your sister. Oh. The people that need to Is apologize it. are the people that held that thought in the back of their head uh. even after there was proof, absolute proof, definitive answers mm-hmm. that you had nothing to do with it. But so many times these these people that call themselves activists Really, what they are is anarchists. They like creating problems. They never have an answer for anything, but they enjoy. They enjoy causing havoc in other people's lives, and those are the oh. cowards that uh, we fight every day. But n- go ahead. Uh, so.
2: So of, of course, and I know that something's wrong. And uh, once again, in a panic. Instead of calling 911, I actually get out the phone book to call the police. And Hines had a kind of laugh at that because I'm like, really? 911, three numbers. How do I, you know, how, how do you not remember that? But then, you know, get out the phone book to try and call the police.
0: Weren't you also worried about your brother Tony coming over there?
2: Uh, yeah, because the phone call was Tony. And he wanted to come home because Teresa. Teresa would always, when she got off the bus from school, from Mishawaka High School, she the first thing that she would do is she would walk over to the neighbor's house, um, that would uh, keep an eye on uh, my brother for, for a half hour to an hour or so until uh, Teresa got home, and Teresa would go down and pick him up and bring him home, and uh, you know, she you know she hadn't come by and so she called and this is course now uh, after five o'clock so it's you know normally hour hour and a half past what she normally comes by and picks him up and so I still don't think anything's wrong with Teresa before as I'm talking with Tony and you know uh, my brother Tony asked if he could come home and I'm like well of course absolutely come on home and uh so when I seen what Teresa looked like and I finally called the police, then the thought that my brother's coming home and I cannot let him see this. I I cannot let him see what I just saw. And so I, I bolted outside because it was only just a couple of houses over. And sure enough, I caught him about halfway. Um, and I'm just like, get back, get back to the neighbor's house, get back there as quick as you possibly can.
0: And uh... We'll get the job done. Um, Like I said, the anarchist, some call them activists, some call them a lot of things. Those are the people that stand between good and bad, as far as I'm concerned. They're they're an interference, and uh, we just step aside. We just step over them, go around them, go through them. Doesn't make any difference. They're not going to stop what we do. So I appreciate everything that uh, that you've talked about. I appreciate everything that your family has done. I know uh, I still go out and talk to Teresa sometimes.
2: On on the way out here, I I stop by and uh, talk to my mom and Teresa. Uh, stop by the cemetery and and let them know that here we go again you know mama i'm I, i'm keeping my word you know i'm if there's anything i can do to keep my sister's memory alive to keep people let people know yes there was a tragedy that happened but we 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 got justice You know, we, this person is paying for what he had done and it it may have disrupted the family, but it didn't take the strength away from this family. It didn't take the love away from
0: this family. You never let them live rent free in your head. Mm -hmm. Never. You put them behind that shade, you pull the shade and you forget about them. You flush them. You get rid of them. Phil's, I would imagine Phil's probably having a pretty tough time. As tragic as that may be. As you can see, it's breaking my heart with the thought of it. Yeah, hopefully he's making a few extra dollars cutting people's toenails or spooning. I don't know what they do up there. I don't really care. As long as your family's satisfied and the rest of the families we work for are satisfied, that's all I care about.
1: All right, you just listened to Steve and, and a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of the, the case that you, you were discussing with him. But I, I think it's important to talk about from here. Um, what, going back, what it took in that those that key piece of evidence that that um, that that extractor rod from that pistol, uh, you said that at the time there just wasn't the ballistics to 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 look at in the in the technology to look at this weapon and all of that stuff. What what changed?
0: Well, uh, advancement in years, advancement in technology. Um, and that was the key piece, the advancement in technology. Uh, we, had, we had a guy, uh, still have a guy, named uh, Ray Wolfenbarger. Ray was a South police officer. Ray was shot uh, several times. In fact, Ray was about, uh, Ray was walking to the light, and, but for good medical help and Ray having a strong will to live, Ray would be dead. And Ray went on to become a tool mark examiner and a ballistics expert. Um, we took the gun, we took the ballistics over to Ray Ray was able to make a match and then Ray had to get a hold of his mentor or another person to take a look at it and they can't talk about, I saw this, I saw that, this is what's here. You can't talk about it. You just do it. You don't say whether you made a match. You don't, you didn't make a match and another person took a look at it and said, that's the gun. That gun is the same gun that was turned in a couple of weeks after this incident by Phil Jean's stepfather. So now we had a complete link. We were also able to go back and find some people um, that knew about the gun, saw Phil with the gun. In fact, uh, it was up for sale a few weeks after the incident and we were able to obtain statements from that. And again, when, when I say we, I'm talking everybody from the initial radio dispatch to the time this thing ended, that's what the team is about. I did my part, I'm a piece of we, I'm an I, this person's an I, they're a piece of the team, and it's it's a conglomeration of everybody doing their job and going out and searching, wanting to find the answers. Uh, that That's what it's all about. Do you remember the arrest? Oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Do I have to ask? Tell us about it.
0: Well, uh, Phil, is, as I told you, is... Uh, You know, he's the smartest guy in every room. Phil wants to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. Know it all. He thinks he's great. Um, We were able to set him up to come out of the house where he was at. And he came down to the area of uh, Ironwood and Lincoln Way. It's between Sabin and Mishawaka. And as I recall, it was a very cold, slippery, icy type day. And um, we swooped in on Phil and Phil learned about gravity. And he got all handcuffed and went off to jail. And of course, you know, we're all kinds of everything and we're never gonna get him. He's gonna beat this. And you know, the usual jaw flipping, he can't stop running his cake hole. He's always gotta talk. And then we went to court and Phil would turn around and he would look at the family and smirk. When he'd walk out of court, Teresa had a a relative and he would look look at her and just get that you know, that just that smirk mocking type thing and uh when the jury came back and found him guilty and finally went in for sentencing and of course Phil's always gotta have the last word and he yelled out in Judge Freeze's courtroom, I hope you get the right guy and I, I had, had I had, had an ass full of Phil jeans forever. And I thought, you know what, I can bite my lip or I can take a chance and say something and maybe go to jail for a couple of days. I was tired anyway; I could have used the rest. And I yelled out, "We already got—we already got the right guy." And uh, I didn't get thrown in jail, so it came out pretty good. But I thought, you know what? You have taken away a loved one. You have mocked this family. You have intimidated this family. You smirked. You've been smug about this whole thing. And now, the last thing you want to do is walk out of this courtroom and give him one more jab. And I thought ain't happening
1: he's in jail forever
0: well not forever you had to go back and whatever the penalties were at that time in 1988 that was the penalty that he could receive um, and it was up to 50 years He's he still has about I don't know probably 10 15 years ago and you never know what happens in prison
1: all right well you know this was a, a case that that I know was, was the hearts and minds of, 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 folks in this area. Uh, and I, and I, I know that it, it, took, a a bit of a national turn there for a long time as well. Um, so, you know, this is, uh, it's good to have Phil jeans off the street.
0: Well, there were still posters of Teresa up in Mishawaka. You can walk into places almost, you know, 25 years plus later. There are still posters of her and she was still the talk of the town that you know that was one of ours is what you know the way they would put it 16 year old girl home from home from a break at high school and next thing you know she's dead because of a of an animal I mean he's an animal
1: why did he do it
0: why did he do it because he's filled jeans and he thinks he can do anything he wants to any women that he wants uh, I was able to locate several other women. Uh, I won't go into detail on that, but uh, Phil wasn't the type of guy who was gonna bring roses and candy for you. Phil wanted something, Phil was gonna go after it. He was either gonna be successful or he was at least gonna try. Uh, he killed her, in my opinion, because he wanted to, uh, it was gonna be a sexual attack, I believe. And he knew Teresa, Teresa knew him. So if he was unsuccessful, uh, the only way he was gonna lose capture was kill her. Why he had a gun with him? Was was it pre-planned? Was it, you know, something that he was gonna do? Was it spontaneous? Doesn't really make any difference. He did it. He's gone, and uh, I hope he's I hope he's miserable. You know, I know the Doctor Phils of the world probably gonna go. He probably had a poor childhood and he didn't get enough cereal when he was a kid. Mommy didn't hug him and breastfeed him and all that kind of stuff. That's for somebody else. Our job, police job do the job, put the evidence together, put the case together, let the prosecutors do their job, let the jury do their job, let the judge do his or her job, lock him up, I'm not gonna hug him, he's out of my mind, you don't get to live rent free in my head, he's gone. Um, The ominous is off of Steve, the pressure of of having that hanging over his head. uh, I do wish that we could have solved this prior to- His mother dying. His mother and father both passing, but uh, you know I'm not a big religious guy but I believe and they know they know you know it's uh, I'm, I'm quite sure they're not gonna get a chance to kick Phil's ass off the clouds that's for sure because that ain't where he's going
1: all right. well I think it's you uh, yeah I think we've pretty much covered this case and you know I want to thank everybody for joining and we also uh, want to thank all of our first responders out there and our veterans and current service members all right thanks for watching killer catchers episode one Catch the second episode here in one week.